Well, good morning again. I know I've already been up here once, but uh, happy Mother's Day again. I do want to say that it really is a special day and uh, and hopefully you uh, have some good plans to be able to do that today. Um, but I'm also excited about it for a couple of reasons. For those of you who are here for the very first time, first time guests with us here, um, just want to say welcome. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for being here, whether it's because it's Mother's Day or this is just the time that you chose to come here and check it out. That's great. Uh, we want you to know that this is a safe place for you and your family or anybody else to dig in to the Word of God and find out what it means to follow Christ, to follow Jesus every day of your life. That's what we're passionate about here at Northridge. We don't apologize for it because that's everything we're supposed to be about. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, And there's another reason I'm excited, not just because it's Mother's Day and we get to honor mothers today and ladies, uh, but because we also get to start a brand new sermon series. I don't know why, but I kind of get giddy when we get to start a new series. And and maybe it's just because I've been thinking about it and preparing for it and all that kind of stuff. But today we start a brand new series called At the Movies. And this is a series that we've done, uh, I think it was maybe three years ago, um, and we totally did different kind of a thing, and we didn't do it in this way, and we certainly didn't do all these movies that we're doing, but we've picked several movies, and, and very sim- we, we actually picked these movies for a reason. You notice these are not brand new movies. These are movies that a lot of us might know, maybe a lot of us have seen, and we picked those for that reason, for that purpose, because we're going to dig out of them. We're going to talk about topics that are found in God's Word, themes that are found in God's Word, but we're going to use these movies as kind of the backdrop, the foundation, the the framework to talk about those different topics, okay? So that's kind of what we're going to do. And I didn't mention this last week when I mentioned we're going to get into the uh, At The Movie series. Uh, We're not doing it today, but for most of the weeks of this series, this might be exciting to you. I know it's exciting to me because I love food. But because it's a movie series, we thought it would probably be good to have movie-style popcorn uh, for this thing. And so a lot of the weeks that you're going to come in here, it might seem weird like on a Sunday morning, but this is just how we roll at Northridge, all right? Um, we're just not kind of the, you know, we're not the traditional style of things. And so when you walk in, a lot of the weeks, not all the weeks, but a lot of the weeks, you're going to smell movie theater popcorn and you're going to get to actually have some, all right? How's that sound? It'll be good. Uh, we'll try to keep the crunching to a minimum so we can actually pay attention, but uh, we'll have a good time. So, so that's what we're going to be doing. So today we get to start this off with the first movie, which is Apollo 13. And uh, Apollo 13, if you have seen it, that's awesome. If you haven't seen it, let me kind of give you the premise of the movie. It's a, simply a movie made about a true story of when NASA sent the Apollo 13 mission to go reach the moon. That was the whole point of it, was to go reach the moon. But the problem was that in route to the moon, the astronauts had an explosion on the module, the spacecraft that they were traveling in. And as a result, there were some major problems that happened. That whole Houston, we have a problem phrase came from this uh, actual mission, that time and this thing, this event in history. And so the movie is all about that. And so what I want to focus on today, though, from that movie is their mission. What was their mission? Their mission was very simple. It was very simple. They needed to reach the moon, land on the moon, and study the moon. The mission was the moon. They needed to get to the moon and then get back, all right? That was the whole mission. And so today, what I want to talk about on Mother's Day and and for everything else is what is our mission? What is our mission as followers of Christ? 
okay? Because most of us in here are not astronauts, all right? Some of you might be aspiring. That's awesome. Fantastic. I'm not good at math, therefore I'm not going to be doing that, all right? But, but whatever it is, what is our mission as followers of Christ, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if we say we believe in Jesus, then what is our mission? Some of us in here, maybe you didn't know that you had a mission when you follow Jesus. We do. Every single one of us has a mission. We're going to talk about that here today. And so what is that mission? Well, I want to start with a passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, the 12 disciples. And it's right before he is going to ascend to heaven. It's his last words really to them. So we know how important they are. And, and if you would look up this passage, Matthew uh, chapter 28, if you look up this passage in your Bible, probably, not for every Bible, but for most Bibles, it probably has a little title or tagline right over the top of these few verses. And in most Bibles, it will say, The Great Commission. You've probably heard of it. Some of you have heard of it. Some of you haven't. That's okay. But it says the Great Commission, and then it has these verses, these words of Jesus underneath that. Now, if you were to look up in a dictionary, right, and, and we used to like actually page through the dictionary, now we just pull out our phones, right? Or we just ask Google, hey, Google, what is this definition of this? And then it comes up with a nice voice, and here's what I found for definition of commission, Right? But you look it up, and that, I mean, that's literally what I did this week. Look up the definition for commission, and this is what you would have the definition of commission would be. It's an instruction or a command or a responsibility that is given to a person or a group of people. In other words, it's a mission. It is a responsibility that is given to a person or to a group of people. So the Great Commission is the greatest commission or mission that Jesus has ever given. And it's found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. If you're curious as to what it says, good, because I'm going to read it for you. These are Jesus' words to us. This is our mission that he has given to us directly. It says this, he says this, Go and make disciples of all the nations. Very simply, that means make disciples of everyone. He says all nations, but make disciples of everyone baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, these followers of Christ, to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. He gives us this promise. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if you read that, then what, maybe you're asking, well, what is the mission then? What exactly is he asking? Well, the mission is very simply him, the one who said that. The mission is is Jesus. Okay? Now, the first step he didn't actually talk about because he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to people who are already following Christ. So that assumption is there, and the assumption is this, that they have already given their lives to Jesus. They've already accepted Christ. So that is the first step. Our mission, our first step for every person on the planet is to give their life to Christ, to accept Jesus, to believe in his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. That is the first step. You have to become a disciple before you actually accept the mission. So we have to assume that. But now then, what is the mission if you've already accepted Christ, if you believe in Jesus? What is your mission? Well, that's a good question, right? Well, the mission is very clear there. You give your life to Jesus, and you go make disciples. You point others to the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. That is our mission. Everything is about Jesus. It's simple. It's clear. It's maybe not easy, but now you might be wondering, okay, so the mission is Jesus, but that's still kind of vague. <laughs> that's still kind of general. That's true. It is. But it's very laser-focused on the fact that it has to be about Jesus. 
But you might be wondering, how do we do that? How do we fulfill the mission? Which is a good question. Well, let me give you an example. Again, Jesus' words, John 13, 34 through 35. This is Jesus' words again. He says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment. We could say mission. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is your mission. Your mission is to give your life to Jesus, surrender your heart to God, and then love everybody around you extravagantly as much as Jesus loves you, which is a high bar, right? We talked about this last week. It's, it's a perfection bar, but we can't reach it. But God doesn't ask you to be perfect. He just asks you to shoot for it. Okay? He just asks you to reach for it. And so this is our mission. Jesus is the mission. We love each other. And by the way that we love each other and love them and love people that we don't like that much, let's be honest, there are people we don't like sometimes. All right? We're not called to like everybody. We are called to love everybody. There is a difference. Right? God didn't say, no, you should want to hang out with him all the time. Well, I don't want to hang out with everybody all the time. There's some people I hear their voice and I'm like, ah, I'm good. <laughs> right? Some of you have those people in your life too, right? We all do. It's like, no. You see the name on the phone, you're like, uh-uh, nope. Turn it over, done, right? And we all have that, but we, so we're not called to hang out and be liking everybody, but we are called to love everybody. Why? Because it's your mission. For every single follower of Christ, this is the general mission. We're talking about literally, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter if you live in China, whether you live in Russia, whether you live in the United States. It doesn't matter if you're a child who's four years old, if you gave your life to Christ. It doesn't matter if you're 87. Okay? It does not matter. If you're a follower of Christ, it is very clear that your mission is Jesus. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even a question. Your mission is Jesus. That's a mission that's been given to all of us. It's a general mission. So what does that mean? What does that look like practically? Let me dig into the weeds. You know I don't just leave it at generalities, right? We don't leave generalities here in Northridge. What does that mean? What it means is you're having conversations at work, right? And you're talking about all the things that you're going to do uh, this week or on the weekend. You're talking about your boating plans. You're talking about, which is fine, you're talking about your tournament plans. You've got to get the kids to this place and that and baseball and lacrosse and volleyball and whatever else. And you're talking about, you know, vacation. You're talking about your dog puked on the carpet and we had to clean it up. And I learned all this stuff that I didn't want to know. And, you know, you're talking about all these things. But one thing that sometimes we hold back on that we do not offer is the fact that we're going to spend a few, uh, an hour or two with our church family worshiping God. Why do we hold that back? Because we don't want to offend anybody? Well, you've just given up your mission. If you're holding it back because you're worried about what they'll say, there's a line in here. It's not in my notes. I don't know why I'm saying this, but there's a line in here that Jesus says. He says, if you're ashamed of me now, I'll be ashamed of you later. Yeah, it's a serious mission. Okay? This means like when you're, you know, when you're when you're with your family, when you're spending time hanging out with your family, right? You're either going to spend time thanking God for the food that you're about to eat and, and and praising God or praying for others or you're not in your family. You're you're either going to do it or you're not. Right? It's not a maybe, it's it's your mission. Right? When you're at tournaments, when you're at sports tournaments, 
how you conduct yourselves when you're, the ref doesn't make the call and your son or daughter got hit by the jerk who's on the field, right? Clearly, he's done it like 27 times and the ref missed every one of them. He's obviously can't see, right? When that happens, how you conduct yourself and what you say with the other parents and how you treat those around you will speak to them about what you think about Jesus in this life. Right? Am I right? They take their cues from what you're doing. You are on mission every minute of the day. When somebody's going through a hard time in your family or at work or at school, when somebody's going through a hard time and you have the hope of the world in Jesus in you, and you don't offer him. You either offer him or you don't. You know what you should do? You should offer him. You have the hope of the world. You're on mission every minute of the day. I know sometimes we're like, no, I'm not at church. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's, you're on mission more. Hey, I'm glad you're on mission like right now. This is good. But in about 30 minutes when you walk out those doors, that is when your mission really gets going. Right? It is a practical, everyday thing. The general mission, this is for every follower of Christ. If you say you believe in Jesus, if you're a Christian, this is your mission. You accepted the mission when you accepted Jesus. Right? That's, that's just a done deal. Like, that's how it works. It's a, it's a package thing. Right? But the general mission is just a tip of the iceberg. It's just kind of the first piece of this, isn't it? Okay, so for every believer, it is Jesus. But then if you think about Apollo 13, right, there were the three astronauts that actually went into space. So we know kind of about them. They're the ones that are like, ooh, the astronauts, they get all the glory, right? Um, But there were a lot of people that were behind the scenes that were working to get those guys to the moon, weren't there? Right? I mean, you had the launch team in Florida, this is always weird to me that they launch in Florida, but then the control center's in Texas. Like, why is that? Why they, let, let's just make it harder on ourselves because we're really smart, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm, just, I'm just curious. Like, those are the thoughts that I have, right? Uh, maybe I'm just weird. Uh, I know I'm weird. Okay, we'll go with that, right? But, I mean, so you have the launch team in Florida, and then you have the control center in Houston. And then, like, for Apollo 13, they had a doctor, and his whole job was just to monitor the astronauts before they left, when they were on their trip, and when they got back, making sure that they survive. I mean, that's his literally, they've got sensors, and he's watching every single number that happens with them. That's his whole job. Like, they had a doctor that was hired just to do that. They had a, they had a guy that was hired for NASA for this mission that would just monitor the air levels in the spacecraft, in the modules. Like, that's, that was his whole thing, was he's going to monitor the air and the environment while they're up there, just to make sure everything's good. Right? I mean, we're talking about, we're literally talking about thousands, I think tens, actually tens of thousands of people that work together to make the spacecraft, to, to make sure everything, the training, everything needed to happen. We're talking about tons and tons of people. Now, what was the mission? You remember what the mission for Apollo 13 was, right? Remember I told you? It was the moon. Every single person is working toward that mission. But did every person do the same thing? Obviously not. That would be weird, Right? I mean, if, if, they, if, they, uh, if they pulled the uh, custodian to go, you know, all of a sudden they're like, hey, we decided we're going to send you to the moon instead. Uh, you need to figure this out. There's like 12,000 buttons. Um, just get it done. Go to it, right? They're not going to do that. Why? Because that's not the role, right? That's, that's not the job. That's not the mission. The mission is very specific 
to that person. And that specific mission serves the bigger mission. Well, guess what? As followers of Christ, we have the mission, which is Jesus. And then we have the specific mission that's been given to you and me. Your mission is not my mission. My mission is not your mission. The person you're sitting next to has a different mission than you do. Now, do we all have the same mission if we're followers of Christ that's Jesus? Yes. But how you serve that mission has to be different. Because God made you different. In fact, Romans chapter 12 says this. Listen to what it says. Starting with verse 1, it says this. It's the Apostle Paul writing. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, just so that we're clear, this is not a family reunion. <laughs> All right? He doesn't say brothers and sisters like this is his family. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. So what that means, the, the, the reason I bring that up, okay, about the family reunion thing, sometimes we think that he's talking to family or it doesn't apply to us. If you're a follower of Christ, what he's doing is he's cueing you to say, this is for you. That's why he says, dear brothers and sisters, Jesus followers, this is you. I'm talking to you. That's what he's saying. Okay? Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies or give your lives to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then listen to this. This is kind of the crux of this part. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. We could put the word mission in there again. God's mission for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let me just sum up what just happened. Romans 1 and 2, the first parts of those two verses, it gives you the general mission. We have to give our lives to Christ. We've already hit that. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Okay? We surrender our life to Christ. He says, give your bodies to God. Give your life to God. Be a living and holy sacrifice. A lot of people say sacrifice. They think of like death. Okay? Yes, Christ wants you to die to your life, but not physically. He wants you to live on this earth to live for him and give him glory and point everybody you can to him. That's what it means to be a living and holy sacrifice. But then notice what it said at the very end. Did you notice what it said? It said this. It says, then if you give your life to Christ, if you live surrender to him every day, then you will learn to know God's will, God's mission for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Translation, live for Jesus, and he will show you what your specific God-honoring mission is that he created you for, that he made you uniquely gifted to do. He gave you a specific mission. Oh, and by the way, did you notice what your mission is? It's good. It's pleasing. It's pleasing to you. It's pleasing to God. It's pleasing to other people. Oh, and by the way, it's perfect. Your mission could not get better. Like, if you think, you know, God, I have a slightly different flight plan, if you're cool with that. I've decided to do this with my career. Are you good? Whatever you come up with, I'm just... I don't know how highly you think of yourself. I'm sure you're awesome. Awesome sauce, as I would say. I'm sure you're great. I think somewhat highly of myself, maybe too highly sometimes as well. Okay? I'm sure you're great. But let me just tell you, your plans are absolutely nothing compared to God's. His mission for you, the reason he created you, is for a good, pleasing, and perfect mission. The question is, are we following it? 
And then Romans chapter 12, if you go down just a few verses, he kind of gets into the specifics of this. I love this part. Listen to what it says, verses 6 through 8. He says, in his grace, oh, and by the way, another Q phrase. When, when, when any writer in the Bible says, in his grace, it basically means, okay, God didn't have to do this. <laughs> like, God, this is a free gift, right? Like, this is, this is in his grace. This is not something that you deserve or something that is a right. This is something that God gave because he's like, man, I want to just do this for them. It's a free gift. In his grace, in his greatness and goodness, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Listen to what he says. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, that's not to tell the future, by the way. That's to tell the truth. Did you know that? That's like we say, oh, prophecy. Yeah, I can tell. I'm going to know what happens in 50 years. No, that's not really what that means. It means to speak the truth, the truth. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just do it like, oh, I have to be kind to others. Right? Right? I've seen some people do that. They're like, they show up sometimes for, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but I see some people show up for like Northridge events and they're like, okay, I'm here. I'm like, well, I'm so glad. Like, I can tell you're ready to serve God today. <laughs> right? No, it says, no, it says, this is your mission. Like, I made you so good at encouraging. Do it constantly and do it awesome and love it. Some of you make unbelievable amounts of money and you're good at giving it away. God says, give that sucker away. Give as much as you can away. Some of you are just, you're just great at teaching. God says, teach. And that doesn't mean just the profession teaching. It could mean that. A lot of you are teachers here. It does mean that for you. Awesome. But for some of you, you're just good at imparting knowledge and gifts and things to people. Do it. Like pour like crazy into people and make sure that Jesus is a part of it. Because that's your mission. That's all of our mission. Let me just package this in a little different way. Uh, I want to do this experience. It'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. Uh, so if I were to show you this list of ingredients, I have a list of ingredients. If I were to show you that, just read that real quick. If I were to show you that list of ingredients, those of you who are cooks or bakes and bakers in the room, uh, what do you think I'm going to be making if I have those ingredients? Okay, chocolate cake or brownies, you're right, absolutely right. Okay, it's chocolate cake, right? This one, this particular one is chocolate cake. So chocolate cake or brownie, you guys are awesome. Like, I never would have come up with that. I eat it all the time, right? And I love it, but, uh, but I would not have been able to come up with that. Some of you are just amazing, okay? So that's what it is. Okay, let's go to the next one. What, what is this one? See if you guys can get it. Might be a little bit harder, might be a little bit easier, I don't know. What is it? I heard it. Apple pie. You guys, seriously, this is amazing. Again, I eat it all the time. I don't know how to make it. All right. Let's, uh, all right. Let's, this last one might be a little harder, a little bit easier. I don't know. Let's try this one. What are we making? Anybody? I heard the word. It's a type of cookies. Ah, I heard it. No bake cookies. Also known, I just found this out today, this, this week. They're also called preacher cookies. That is fantastic. You know why that's fantastic? This is my favorite cookie. I kid you not. I kid you not. And I was like, no way. My favorite cookies are called preacher cookies. 
Seriously, you, this doesn't get better. Like, God, I know my mission. It's to eat no-bake cookies. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> right? No, but, I mean, but seriously, I, I found that out. They, they call it preacher cookies because those ingredients were usually on hand, and they could make them quickly and, and when the pastor showed up at their house and <laughs> knocked on the door. This is what they started calling and, and they don't do it in this. It's like a different part of the country, but they call them preacher cookies in the play. And I'm like, ah, that is fantastic. I knew there was a reason I loved them. Um, here's the point. I was talking to a life coach a few months ago, and he said, you know, Brent, the, uh, the ingredients that you've been given inform you, tell you what you're supposed to make and who you're supposed to be. So if I were to try to take that recipe, those ingredients, and I want to make a steak and potato dinner with asparagus, it's going to be a problem, isn't it? It's going to come out tasting like cake or a bad one <laughs> if I'm cooking it. <laughs> if I try to use those ingredients to make something that it's not supposed to make. Here's, here's the tragedy, guys. There's a lot of us in here. God has given us a certain set of ingredients, and you're trying to make something and be something that God didn't create you to be. Some of you in here know it, too. You've been living it your whole life. You hate your job. Absolutely loathe it. Like you live for the weekend. Just so you're clear, I, I, I'm, I'm going to dig in a little bit. If you live for the weekend, you might be missing your mission. I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you should quit tomorrow. But maybe I am. Your mission, you were made for it. So you're going to be good at it, and you're going to love it. Your mission are the ingredients that God has given to you and it tells you what you're supposed to be. So how God made you do that. Now, to kind of finish up, there's a couple of things that keep us from fulfilling or achieving our specific and unique mission that God has given to us. There's two things. I've mentioned these before, but I really see, think they bear repeating because I've noticed that a lot of people have been struggling with these two things lately in our church and in our community, more so in our community. The first tendency is that we sometimes tend to think that serving God has to look a certain way. Uh, how I would put that is a lot of us think that the only way to serve God is to go to seminary and like study the Bible for years and then become a pastor or a preacher uh, and you have to preach or you have to lead worship or, uh, or you have to teach a you know, children's ministry class or greet at the door <laughs> at a village center maybe or something like that. Um, you know, For some churches I heard they use village centers and, and things like that. Right? And, and that's kind of what we think of as serving God. And we think that we have to know more about the Bible. I, I don't know enough about the Bible, so I can't serve God. Really? No, that is not true. When you, before you were born, God gave you all the ingredients you needed to serve God. Did you know that? You, had, you have all the ingredients right now where you sit to serve God. You don't have to go to seminary. Now, if God calls you to do something that requires professional training, sure, of course, do that. But for most of us, God is calling you to serve in the mission that he's called you to with the ingredients that he's given to you already before you were born. He already knew the ingredients you're going to have. So let me dig into this again. Generalities, no, we don't like that. Let's dig into this. Okay, those of you that are good at construction, you're good at working with your hands, you're good at building things, you're good at seeing how things should be laid out or engineered or, or constructed or whatever. Some of you in here are awesome at that. I am not. <laughs> I honor you today because that's amazing. Right? 
but you're really good at that. So can you serve Christ? You're like, I don't even like people. I definitely don't want to grieve the stupid door. <laughs> I want to walk into church and I want to walk out of church. I don't even want to see people. I just go because I love Jesus. <laughs> and, and other than that, man, I hate it, <laughs> right? Some of you, like, let's be honest, right? Some of you, that's true. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. But listen, if you're really good at construction, you really don't like people, you know what maybe your mission is? What, what would it look like if we put a, together a team here at Northridge and their whole purpose was when we found out somebody that was going through a desperate need, and let's say that they had an accident and they're going to be in a wheelchair for several months or I don't like to think about this, but for the rest of their lives, and all of a sudden their house is not conducive to doing that and they need ramps and other things built, what would it look like if we had a team of people who they walk in and you got me who's an idiot? I was like, just tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm willing to do it, but I, I really don't know how to do this. And you got people that come in and say, hey, these are the supplies that we need. This is how we're going to build it. This is the angle that we need to measure it at so it's not too steep. Like, we've got it. It's a done deal. And you have the tools, you already know how to buy, you already know what to get. And then we send four, five, six men and ladies over there. And, and we all of a sudden within, you know, say on a Saturday morning or, or a good portion of a Saturday, we go over there and all of a sudden we have all their ramps built and they're done. It's a done deal. Is that serving God? Oh, absolutely. That is being the love of Christ to somebody. And when they ask why we're doing it, it's because we're supposed to. Because <laughs> Jesus called me to do it because I love Jesus and this is my mission. They might be weirded out. Cool, so be it. But this is what we're going to do. Right? Because how God made you informs you as to what your mission is and how you serve Jesus. It's all about Jesus, but how you do that is going to be unique to you. How I do it is not going to be how you do it. Right? Um, let's, let's say that you're good at car maintenance stuff. You're good at machinery and all that kind of stuff. Again, not me, but if, if you are, then what would it look like? I know uh, churches I was at before, we did a single mom's oil change. The reason we did single moms is because a lot of times they have to work full time. Sometimes, a lot of times they're working two jobs. So they're coming home, they grab supper, they get the kids going, somebody comes in to watch them, and then they go off to their second job. And a, we had a ton of mothers in, in my previous church that, that were single moms that way. And, and so we did an oil change. Uh, we started doing one a year, and then we started realizing this is the only oil change they get. And so we started doing two a year, and eventually we ramped it up to three a year. And that was the only oil change that they would get throughout the year because they just weren't able to have the time or the money, sometimes both, to be able to do this. If you know cars, like mechanical stuff, and you can fix stuff, put that to use. God gave you that ability. Trust me, he did not give it to me. <laughs> okay? If you bring your car to me, it's going to be worse when, I when it leaves. I mean, uh, it's just, it is. I'll, I'll take a look at it. <laughs> if you really want to give me tools, I, I'll mess around. But it's going to be worse. Right? I can talk to you while somebody else fixes your car. I'm pretty good at that. I can eat no-bake cookies while you get it done. I, I, you know. God has given me special gifts and abilities, guys. But seriously, what, what God has given to you. Uh, if you're good at cooking, by the way, some of you in here obviously are. And I did, that was not a bait and switch. I didn't, I, I, although I did take note really quick in my mind who answered those ingredients. No, I didn't. If you're a good cook and you like to do it, that's a gift. Seriously. Have you tasted some people's food? <laughs> it's a gift. All right? It is a gift. So, so here's, what would it look like? What would it look like if you, listen, what would it look like if you gave two, three hours a week or a month 
And all you, the only reason is you're cooking for your family, that's great, doing all that, that's awesome. But what if you just made meals for people who really needed it? Who were going through a hard time, who just lost somebody that they loved, who just had to come out of surgery, who just, whatever they, maybe they just needed encouragement because life stinks for them right now. And we just say, yeah, you know what? They're just going through a hard time. They don't actually, there's not real any physical need, but it, they just, they could use it. What would that look like? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes, it would be awesome. You know what's holding us back from doing that? Sometimes we think, oh, well, the only way to serve God is to preach and to go to church on Sunday. Uh, No. (laughs) No. That's one of thousands of ways. We need to get serious about fulfilling the mission. Oh, by the way, if you are good at leadership and like you're killing it at work, why aren't you leading in the church? Seriously, you're going to give everything to your career, everything that Jesus gave you just to make as much money as you can? (laughs) Wow. You've missed your mission. I'll just be honest with you. You've missed it. If you're using it only for a career, you've missed it. You need to do all the good you can through your career. That's great. I'm not saying that making lots of money is a bad thing. I'm not saying that at all. I don't want to come across that way. I'm just saying we got to hold tight to the mission that Jesus has made us uniquely gifted us for. All right, the second thing, I'll I'll keep this simple and short. The second thing that keeps us from our mission, fulfilling our mission with Jesus, this is a a big one. In fact, I saw that this is bounced around on Facebook a lot as people were asking ladies like Mother's Day, what do you struggle with, all that stuff. This one came up a lot, I noticed on Facebook this week. I'll just call it the comparison trap. Okay, there's two, two problems with this. There's two ways that we tend to play this game. One, we, we kind of think too lowly of ourselves, and so we look at other people's ingredients. Remember the ingredients that I just showed you? We look at other people's gifts. We look at other people's ingredients, and we say, ah, oh, mine's, mine's just, I want those ingredients. I don't like my ingredients. I know you made me uniquely, God. Thank you. But I don't like my ingredients. I want their ingredients. And we compare ourselves to them. Or we might be on the other side of the spectrum and we think, look at my ingredients. <laughs> my ingredients are awesome. They're obviously more important than your ingredients. <laughs> and it takes us off of the focus on the mission, which is Jesus. Why? Because we focus on ourselves. So we either focus on other people's missions or we focus on our own mission too much. You see how that works? And I, and I, I would be remiss if I, I, I got this prompting from God a lot this week. I think that this is something that afflicts us all, but I think mothers, I'll be honest, I think the comparison trap afflicts you guys a lot. I think that ladies, you tend to kind of size the ladies up in the room. You see what they wear, and, and I know, sometimes it's kind of nice and like, ooh, you're cute, your shoes are so cute, you know. I would never notice shoes. I mean, seriously, sometimes Laura mentions, did you see her shoes? No. I never notice shoes. I don't even hardly know what shoes I'm wearing most of the time. I'm like, do they, they're on my feet. Good. Fantastic. I'm like, I'm dressed. Woo! It's a win, right? But let's be honest, ladies. Sometimes God is... Let me, let, me, let me just tell you something that's really, really true. God has made you beautiful and amazing and important and valuable just the way you are. Stop trying to be somebody else. Seriously, 
If good housekeeping and GQ and Facebook makes you feel bad, then delete it and get rid of it. Burn them. Whatever you got to do. I'm serious. Because you don't have to be whatever that person is on the cover. And, and if you're dissatisfied with who you are, it's probably because you have the wrong mentality of who God made you to be. And I'm not talking just to mothers. I'm talking to every person in here. Children, yes. We need to accept our value that God has given to us and the mission that he's put in our heart and in our soul and how he's made us to be. And we need to stop worrying about comparing ourselves to others. So let's get back to Apollo 13. The mission was the moon. But the problem was, on their way to the moon, there was an explosion. They, they told the guy, one of the astronauts, to stir the tanks, and when it happened, there was a wiring issue. And a piece of one of the panels and the tanks blew up, and so they started losing oxygen, started losing oxygen. They lost one of their modules, the module that was supposed to land on the moon. And not only did they not, were they not able to reach the moon, but now their lives are in danger. They, they may not even be able to get back. And remember that guy that I told you his whole thing was to monitor the air? Well, the problem is now they have three astronauts crammed into one module instead of two. And now the CO2 scrubber that they built, the filter that they had put into the spacecraft in order to filter out the air for one person, now it needs to filter it out for three. Well, it's not going to work. And so now they have to actually create and build something in space to save their lives. But NASA on the ground in Houston has to figure out how to do that. Okay? I have a clip that illustrates this point. So go ahead and watch this. Gene, we have a situation brewing with the carbon dioxide. We had a CO2 filter problem on the lunar module. Five filters on the limb. Which were meant for two guys for a day and a half. So I told the doctor. You're already up to eight on the gauges. Anything over 15 and you get impaired judgment, blackouts, the beginnings of brain asphyxia. What about the scrubbers on the command module? They take square cartridges. The ones on the limb are round. <laughs> Those CO2 levels are going to be getting toxic. Well, I suggest you gentlemen invent a way to put a square peg in a round hole. Okay, people, listen up. People upstairs handed us this one, and we gotta come through. We gotta find a way to make this fit into the hole for this, using nothing but that. Let's get it organized. Okay, okay, let's build a filter. Maybe get some coffee going, too, someone. Deadly CO2 gas is literally poisoning the astronauts with every breath in and out. Heads up, heads up. Next, folks, will not comment further. What's this? That's what they gotta make. Well, I hope you got the procedures for me. Right here. That's it? Affirmative, Andy. Uh, Jack's got one right here. Okay, we have a uh, an unusual procedure for you here. We need you to rip the cover off. I want you to rip the cover off the flight plan. With pleasure. All right, now the other materials you're going to need here are uh, a lithium hydroxide canister. Two, two lithium hydroxide canisters. I'm sorry. A uh, roll of gray tape. Duct tape. Another duct tape. You need an LCG bag. Two LCG bags. Uh, red suit hoses. What about their level of 
carbon dioxide? It's uh, climbing. You're saying that they're almost out of breathable air. No, wait a second. Wait a second. That's, that's not what he said. He said we're working. You want to cut the duct tape three feet long? Right, tell me use this arm. Just use your arm. It's a good arm length. Oh, okay, Houston, I see what you're getting at. Hold on. Okay, Jack, tear that piece of tape down the middle lengthwise. All right. Hold on, Houston. Astronauts appear to have enough oxygen to keep them alive. One thing they have too much of is carbon dioxide. With each breath, the three men expel more of the poisonous gas into the lunar module cockpit, and the scrubbers intended to keep the atmosphere breathable are quickly becoming saturated. Houston filters in place. Roger, Suits are a relief to close. CO2 canister select secondary. I can hear air moving. Just bring normal fellas. Aquarius, uh, please advise the CO2 status. Ah, uh, yeah, Houston, we're taking a look at those numbers right now. Still holding close to 15, Houston. Roger that, standing by. Houston, the CO2 level has dropped to 9. And it is still falling. Yes. That is good to hear, Aquarius. That all really happened. In fact, I, I had a picture. I'm not going to show it, but there's a picture that the astronauts took when they actually built that filter to, to save their lives. So here's the deal, guys. Here's the point. Each one of you has been given a mission, and it is a life and death situation for you, for your children, for your neighbors, for your coworkers, for everybody around you. Because the Bible is clear, the only way to get to God is through Jesus. It's one of the things it's exceptionally clear on. You have been given the mission of giving your life to Christ first and then pointing others in that same direction, helping them to see the love of Christ. He has given you specific abilities to do that in your way. The question that I have for you is, are you doing it. I just got a Fitbit for Christmas. And when you put it on for the first time, it has a lot of different encouraging phrases like, thank you, Fitbit. I, I appreciate that today. Good word, right? But when it comes up, it scrolls. And, and one of the phrases is really cool. It says, you got this. And it has my name because I had to punch my name in when I first set it up, right? It says, you got this, Brent. God is saying to all of you, now, when you were born, it doesn't matter when, God is saying to you, you got this. Are you willing to pick up the mission that Jesus has put within you, put within you long ago? Let's see what God can do through you and through us as a church when we take up that mission. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship together. I thank you for giving us mothers. I thank you for giving us the ability to to feel and experience your unconditional love. But God, I also thank you for giving us the special and unique abilities that you've given to us, the things that makes us, us. I pray that you would help us to not compare ourselves to others, to not think that it's only this way or that way for our mission, but that we need to serve you, that you are the mission. Help us remember that you are the mission, Jesus. Everything that our life is has to be about you and that you have given us unique abilities, ingredients in our life that will tell us what that looks like, how we do that. And may you do amazing and mighty things in us and through us. And may we find that people give their lives to Christ, that they accept Christ. Even here today, if there's somebody here who has never given their life to Christ, I pray that they would do that. They may, they may not even know what to say to you, but just I, they know what to do. They just I pray that they would give their life to you and that they would find out what that mission is to show everybody else around them what it means to follow you, Jesus. And we pray this, we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.